Uh, you know, just like we saw in that video, every Christmas they just might not know the details. They might not know what it's all about. Uh, if you're here today, you probably know a little more folks in that room. But uh, really, Christmas, the message of Christmas is that there is good news for everyone. As the video, it's for all people, for everyone. So we're going to look into that a little bit. This is the scripture that he read in the break room there. Luke 2, verse 10, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. Good news of great joy for the people. This baby would change everything. And that's the one takeaway uh, for today is Jesus changes everything. Parents, can you relate to how a new baby can change everything? I know in our house, uh, we had been married for about five years before we decided to start. I remember when a couple of our decided they were going to start trying to have a baby. I remember feeling, and then she was talking to Dessa about it, and they were talking together about how Dessa was saying, oh, maybe we should start trying. And I remember feeling like, oh, I'm not ready. We lived in a little apartment by the beach, and I knew things were And uh, I just wasn't quite there yet. But then I got ready, and then we started trying. And, and uh, we tried for a long time, and uh, we weren't able to get... Uh, then we started... And... Uh, Hiding and then, uh, should I give up on this thing? Okay, let me just get rid of it here. It's kind of like fading in and out and in and out. Okay, so then we decided that uh, we would try, and uh, we tried for a while, and we were not able to uh, get pregnant. And so then we got pregnant, and then uh, Dessa had a miscarriage. And I remember uh, the dark time, the dark feeling of that. Um, you know, the the them saying, "Well, it's you know, you're this is the situation," and uh, she she had to have a DNC and all that. And it was just this dark time. And I remember feeling like, "Wow, we we might never be able to have a baby." And uh, and then uh, a, a while after that, short time after that, we got pregnant again. And then uh, nine months later, Jameson was born. And I remember uh, when he was born, you know, you're prepared because you know you're going to have a baby, you know. But somehow still you're not prepared. It's like there is a little person, a new little person. <laughs> you know? It's like that's a human being. I mean, you know it's a human being, but it's just unbelievable. And it changes your life forever. And then, of course, our life changed again with Marshall and again with Cora. But the, the baby changes everything, and, and Jesus changes everything. This is what John said in John chapter 1. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He gave the right to become children of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and and true. John says the true light that gives light to everyone, right? This is good news for all people. He said this light was coming into the world. Before this, there had been a period of darkness that we're going to talk about. But with this light coming in, he says, then there's this opportunity for people to become children of God, which is a whole new thing. 
And, uh, and, and it changed the whole world. It changed everything. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here in a second. Jesus makes all the difference. Jesus changes everything. Our one takeaway today. John says here in verse uh, 12 that uh, Jesus, when you see Jesus, you're able to see God. You're able to understand God's glory a little bit because Jesus came from the Father. And God had spoken to his people in different ways throughout time. In your, in your Bible, you have two sections. You have an Old Testament that's older and longer, and then you have a New Testament that's newer and shorter. And uh, the Bible is arranged, your Old Testament is arranged in types of books. So the first part of your Old Testament is uh, like the prehistory there in Genesis and the his- historical parts. Uh, goes through kind of the historical sections in chronological order, loosely chronological order. Then the next section is the poetry section of your Bible and your Old Testament. And then the prophets. And who those are is different men that God gave his message through. Sometimes it was a prediction about the future. More times than that, though, it was just God's message. They were covenant enforcers. They were, uh, they were not bringing new law or new covenant, a new covenant, but they were uh, giving the word to the people uh, about God's thoughts and God's heart and God's attitude when it came to how the people were doing. And so there's many, many prophets that came, one after another, but the people started drifting more and more away from God. And it led to a point there where the prophecy grew silent. And there was no more prophets. From Malachi on to to, to the New Testament time, there was 400 years of, of no message from God. 400 years of darkness. Silence. No more messages from God. But there's something that's important, and that is to never confuse God's silence with God's absence. Because this is what is at the end of, of the Old Testament. These are the very last verses of the Old Testament we're going to look at. It says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come says the Lord Almighty. That's in Malachi chapter 2. God says, I'm going to do something. It's going to go dark here for a while, but something's going to happen. And it says, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. And then the very last verse in the Old Testament. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and make the land, uh, strike the land with total destruction. So Christians believe that this was fulfilled in the Christmas story. That the messenger who was to come was John the Baptist. And that's part of the Christmas story there in, in, in Luke chapter 1. And uh, that, that these people who were a little bit older and thought they were way past age to get pregnant were able to miraculously get pregnant. And then they had this little baby who became John the Baptist who was the messenger. And then after him was... Joseph and Mary, who were much younger, Mary, they think, was probably 14 or 15 years old. She was a virgin, she, she, but miraculously she was able to, she had a child, and then, you know, we know the rest of the story. And that became Jesus, who was the Son of God. So these things were fulfilled 400 years later. And so God had a plan, and, and never confuse God's silence with his absence. Even when things are dark, even when you don't hear from God, a lot of times God is working behind the scenes. You know, a lot of plays happen on this stage, and a lot of times when you go to see a play, sometimes there's an intermission. During the intermission, you go out and you talk to people and, and, do, and, and do whatever you do. The, this curtain closes, but during that intermission, there's a lot going on behind the curtain. Everything's being rearranged. 
So that when Act 2 opens, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different scene. And that's really what happened during those 400 years of darkness. Uh, there was uh, a few things I'm going to talk about here. One is God's people got a different attitude towards the scriptures, towards the prophecy. You know, where before they, they sort of treated the prophets with contempt. They mistreated them. They, uh, you know, they, they didn't listen to them. But after, when, when it got silent for 400 years, they started to really value the scriptures. They started to really value the teaching and they held to it. They, they finally got rid of idolatry. You know, it took them being conquered by these other countries and it took God's judgment, but they finally said, okay, we're going to stop that. And by the time of Jesus came, idolatry wasn't an issue for the, the, the Jewish people anymore. It was an issue for other people, but it wasn't an issue for the Jewish because they, they, they had changed in their attitude towards God and his word. The, 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 these other nations that came in the judgment of God, they took God's people and took them away from their land and they, they spread them all around. So what happened was Jewish communities were spread all over the known Western world. And they would gather on Saturdays to hear God's word, to hear uh, the Torah read. And so they were called synagogues where they would come together and listen to the Bible every Saturday. So there was all these little communities of Jews all over the Roman Empire by the time Jesus came. So that was very important. A guy named Alexander the Great came along and uh, conquered so many people in a way that had never, ever happened before. They, uh, many people say he was the greatest military leader who ever lived and ha- ever has lived. By age 33, there's a quote that he, he said he was depressed because there are no more worlds to conquer. And then he died and was gone. But there was this huge empire, the Greek empire. And, and one of Alexander the Great's things is he said, I want... Everyone in my empire to be able to understand a message that I send them. So I want everyone to speak Greek. And so you had throughout all of these lands, whereas before it was all these different tribes and all these different people, you had a common language, Koine Greek. This one language throughout all of this huge area. Another thing that happened after the Greeks were the Romans, and they came. They wanted to be able to get anywhere they wanted in the empire. So they built these really high quality roads, some which are still there 2,000 years later because they built them really well. They built roads, a vast transportation system, all throughout the Roman Empire. And because of Rome kind of conquering everything, you had relative peace because uh, you didn't have these different divisions of, of countries and tribes. It was just all Rome. So you could travel all over and, on this great transportation system. Can you think about how all of those things were God working behind the scenes? So when Jesus came, when his, his followers came, the gospel was able to spread like wildfire. It would go to all these little Jewish communities and, and these synagogues, and that's where it would start, and it would branch out from there. And because of the Roman roads and because of the, the transportation system, God was able to do something amazing. So never confuse God's silence with God's absence. He is often working behind the scenes. Uh, so many people that I know who become Christians, they went through a time of darkness. They went through a time where things were harder, where they had to kind of search and had to look deep. And then, and then they saw, boom, the light came on and... Wow, God was working all the time. Sometimes even after we've been around for a while, a little bit of silence is good for us. Um, my kids and I uh, were had a, earlier this year, we had a, uh, some time together. My wife was out of town and the electricity went out about 7 o'clock, uh, 6.30 or something. It was about dinner time. We were about to have dinner and the electricity went out. And it remained out until middle of the night, like 1 in the morning. 
And, uh, you know, that's a normal occurrence in a lot of places in the world, but we're not used to it here. You know, no lights, no TV, no internet. Uh, you know, you, you're just kind of limited there in what you can do. But I remember thinking at the time, this is really good for me. This is good for my kids, just to be together in the dark and light candles and just hang out together. You know, it, it, it made us stop. It made us listen. It made us kind of be still and slow down. And, uh, and silence does that. It makes you really listen. It makes you really look for what God is doing if you process it the right way. So look at what Paul says to the disciples of Galatia in, in Galatians chapter 4. Go ahead and turn there. We're going to spend a little bit of time in this verse, and then we're going to do some more singing. Galatians chapter 4. Never confuse God's silence with his absence. God was working. He had a plan. In Galatians 4, 4, it says, When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Paul told the, the Galatians, look, this was God's plan. This, this period of 400 years of darkness and then everything that happened, this was God's plan. It was the set time had fully come. And that's what was happening there in that story. That's what was happening. That's why it was such a huge deal. That's why the sky filled with angels saying, now is the time. Everything has, in all of human history has all led up to this. And, and here's what's happened. This is good news for, for great joy for all people. This is the sign you'll find a baby uh, lying in a manger. It was for everyone. God was working behind the scenes. And this is not just good news for them. It wasn't just good news for the shepherds. It wasn't just good news for the Galatians. It's good news for you. It's good news for me. What that angel told the shepherds, he said, they said, it's good news for all people that will bring great joy. And we're going to dig into this verse a little bit and see how is this good news for me. Galatians 4. First he says that we are able to receive adoption to sonship. There in verse 5. That was a whole new thing. Up until this point, before the new covenant, God was the creator God. He was far away. You couldn't approach him. He was so holy and so perfect. Uh, the only pe person that could even come into his presence was the high priest. And he had to do all these sacrifices to be made pure and holy to be able to go into this sanctuary where God was. And he could only go in there once a year and it was a big deal. You, you know, you couldn't really approach God. He was the creator God because we are so fallen and we're so unrighteous. But because of Jesus and the new covenant and he was the sacrifice for our sins, we're not only able to approach God, we're not only to be able to get close to God, we're able to be his sons and daughters. That's an amazing, amazing privilege. An another good news for us is that we, we are able to have the spirit. So God comes as a human being. That's what the whole nativity story is about. God lives among us. Emmanuel means God with us. He shows us how to live. He teaches us his word. He gives us God's word. And then when he left, he says, I'm going to send you my spirit. So now the spirit, the very spirit of Jesus is available to all of us to dwell in our hearts, to, to guide our lives, to, to, to teach us how to overcome sin. That's an incredible blessing. That's incredible good news for each one of us. He says, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, verse 6. 
Abba is, a, is an Aramaic word. That was the language Jesus spoke. And it means daddy. So not only is God able to be our father, but we're able to have such an intimate relationship with him that we can call him daddy. We can have closeness, emotional, you know, it brings emotional closeness. When you think about that word daddy, it's, there's an emotional closeness there. We're able to have an emotional closeness with God. That's an incredible privilege. He says we're no longer a slave. So in verse 7, you are no longer a slave. Think about what it would be like to be a slave. To be someone else's property. To have no rights. You have to do whatever they say you have to do, when you have to do it. You have nothing of your own. You don't possess anything of your own. That would be so difficult. And many of the first century Christians were slaves. It was, a, it was part of the Roman Empire. Many, many, they say as many as half of the early Christians were slaves. But Paul says, you're no longer a slave, spiritually. You're no longer, you have rights. You have individual freedom. You have, you're special to God and unique as a person. You're no longer a slave. That's an incredible victory, incredible gift for us today. That we're, we don't have to be enslaved by our fears, by our faults, by our failures. And Jesus means that we get to have an inheritance. He says God has also made you not just a, a, a child, not no longer a slave, not just that he's daddy, but that we get to be an heir, that we get to inherit something. We talked about that in our the Treasure Principles principle series, that we are able to look forward to great future glory, and we're able to have a future treasure in heaven. God wants to give us stuff. And those of us who are parents, don't you look forward to seeing your kids open those presents here in a few days? You know, because you want to bless them. You want to see them encouraged. And that's how God feels about us. He's made us an heir. So all of this relates to you and me. It relates to our lives. What God did with his people, he's also done with us. And he does with each one of us. Periods of darkness and then boom, good news, great joy for all the people. Uh, If you're visiting with us today, you know, I hope that you will uh, listen to this message from, from the angel, because it's for each one of us. And if you're a member today, I hope you'll remember what it is that we're a part of, that it, it's good news, it's great joy for everyone. And just just to talk a little practically here, how do we respond to this? If you back up uh, one verse, or one chapter there in Galatians 3, how, how do we become all of this? How does this work? What's the process? Uh, a chapter earlier in Galatians 3, it says, So in Christ Jesus... You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So that's the way we respond. We respond by having faith. Faith means to put your full weight on something. It means to invest everything in it. You're all in. I believe this, and I'm all in. And so when you respond in faith, that's the way that we are able to have all those things we just read about. That's the way we're able to be a part of God's plan and what he had always prepared for his people. And here he says, uh, when you're baptized, verse 27, for all of us who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So that's the physical point in time where we're buried with Christ in baptism and we're raised to a new life. And from that point on, Jesus changes everything. Everything, and if you if you don't know what that's about, there's a lot of confusion in the religious world about baptism. I encourage you to 
uh, open the Bible. And, and uh, we, we love to study the Bible with people and, and look at the scriptures and see what does the Bible really say about baptism? What does it really say about faith, about repentance? Because this process, this plan, this is for all people. The angel said, this is good news of great joy for all people. And when Matt, when, in Matthew 28, when Jesus left the earth, he, he kind of reiterated the same thing. This is for everyone. I want you to go to all nations. Make disciples of all people. And this is the process. Repentance, faith, baptism. That's the way that we get to have all of these things. Jesus changes everything. What difference will Jesus make in your life over the holidays? You know, as you think about this time of year, as you look ahead to 2014, what difference will Jesus make in your life? You know, the holidays can be a kind of a, a lazy time. And so just, I think this would be a great verse, this Galatians 4, where we've been looking here, just to even kind of uh, make a theme verse for the next few weeks and think about how this can relate to you. Jesus changes everything. You know, we looked at how we are God's child. So think about this time being a time to really invest in that relationship. I know I want to spend some great time with my family over Christmas. I'm really looking forward to getting individual time with each kid, looking forward to playing video games. Uh, you know, eating together, watching movies together, just getting some focused time with my family. Well, you are a child of God, so think about making this a special time with you and God. Don't get lazy, don't check out, just watch marathon uh, TV shows and, and eat tons of pudding and just, uh, you know. I want to spend some special time with God. Maybe there's a, a book you want to read, a spiritual book you want to read over the holidays. Maybe there's a, a, a new prayer journal you can start. But make this a special time for that intimate relationship you have with God. Take time to be with God every day. Have spiritual discipline. Invest with God. You know, we looked in Galatians 4 about how we get to have His Holy Spirit. Not only are we a child of God, but we get His Spirit in us. Well, God's Spirit always makes impact. God's Spirit always does things. It's God's Spirit that created the entire universe. And so what will God's Spirit do through you over the holidays? How can you... Minister to others. How can you serve the poor? How can you really reach out to your own family and your own friends? Uh, let this be a time where you really shine the light that you carry on the angel's message. You know, the Bible teaches that um, an angel literally means messenger. And the Bible teaches that we are God's angels. We are God's messengers. That God works through people to bring his message to others. And so let this be a time where you're, you're looking. How can God's Spirit work through me? Who can I minister to? Who can I share the gospel with? This is good news of great joy for all people. There's some people in our ministry who are really good at this. Like uh, one of my best friends, Marco, is really great at always looking. What is God, how can God work through me to help someone else? And he's always bringing new people to church. And he's always studying the Bible with people because he's, he, he's a messenger of God. He's an angel of God. Marco is an angel. Yes, you're an angel, bro. You know, I, I think other, other great examples uh, that are friends of mine, uh, Sylvia Carter, who's in our ministry, she's, a, she's an angel. She's always looking to help other people, always looking to share her faith. She's always bringing people, always bringing family members. All of her family members have become disciples. Her parents, her sisters, I mean, it's so awesome. Uh, Tisha Martin is a great example of this. She's always... Looking to people to, to share her faith. She's sharing her faith all the time. She's always, you know, bringing new people and getting in there with people. She's, she sees herself as a messenger of Christ. We gotta all look at it that way. Uh, Jesus means you no longer have to be a slave, we looked at there in, in Galatians 4, 7. 
And so don't allow yourself to get enslaved over the holidays to indulgence, uh, to your sinful nature, to impurity. It can be a time of, of impurity. I remember when I was a, a, a college student and trying to be pure, and the holidays was a scary time because I would just get away and have lots of time and I would end up falling into impurity. And I remember deciding one Christmas, this is, I'm gonna, this is gonna be a totally pure time this holiday season. I'm, I'm not gonna look at anything I shouldn't, I'm not gonna do anything I shouldn't, I'm gonna stay pure. And, uh, and I kind of geared myself up for the battle, and it, it made all the difference. Because I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not a slave to sin. I appreciate uh, the, the relationships that we have with one another, and we can just talk about how we're doing with purity or with selfishness or with pride or with anger, with any way that we blow it. And that's one of the things that I love about this fellowship is we can really talk to each other, be, really be real with the battles that we're facing. I appreciate the relationship I have with Rick and how we're able to talk about how we're doing or with Brock. and Brock, we were driving the other day and we were just talking about some things we were struggling with and it helped me and I know it helped Tim just being able to talk about our sin, being able to be open and let the light in. And Jesus means you have an inheritance. Let's not forget the lessons we learned in that Treasure Principle series of what we should focus on and having an eternal perspective with everything we do. You know, the whole world around us gets really caught up in materialism. During this time, let's not go along with that, but let's remember our focus of what we have. And may Jesus make all the difference in your life. Jesus changes everything. We're going to sing for a little bit about this stuff. Uh, this time of year, we love to sing. If you're visiting with us, uh, the Bible teaches that singing is for everyone. It's not like in our modern day where singing is for some and headphones are for others. Uh, it's for everybody. Everybody really deep down loves to sing. And so just turn to the person on your right and say, I love your voice. And turn to the person on your left and say, let me hear you sing. So we're going to sing about, we're going to sing about the joy that we have. We're going to sing about Jesus' coming and how much we are blessed to be a part of it. And we're going to have some scripture reading. At the end of all that, we're going to take communion together and remember Jesus' body and his blood given for us. We're going to watch one more video to set up the singing. And then let's all stand as soon as the video's over and let's sing some songs together. Jesus changes everything.